It's everything Queensland footy. Good bold football from the Brisbane Lions. That's a big one for the Suns. This is Triple M Footy's Northern Exposure. Sirens about to sound. It's the Brisbane Lions who goes through to a prelim final. Extraordinary performance. They were down by 28 and they've come back for one of their most famous victories in a final here at the MCG. No one gave us a sniff. That's all he had a sniff. Jared Berry had a bloody sniff tonight. And we're going away. Bruce Flag Lions, we're coming, boys. Oh, up and about, Triple M Footy is Northern Exposure. And the city of Brisbane is still celebrating back in the prelim finals for the first time since 2020. We're looking at the same matchup as we saw only two years ago. Nick Davis, Jack Fulham, and of course our man just there, Will Rolston. No one happier in this country. And Will, I'll start with you, my friend, because what you witnessed at the MCG on Friday night was, I'd imagine, beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome back. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes, it was surreal. And we get to do another podcast. Who would have thought? I just kept thinking that we we may have uh, finally reached the end of our season, but no. What a thrill. I thought the week before we didn't uh, have much of a chance whatsoever. And then this week I thought, okay, well, we've had our fun. And now it's gotten to the point where obviously we take on Geelong. And I just, I don't know where this train stops. Now that we've beaten that, as we said, there were hoodoos on hoodoos on hoodoos. And we've just been busting them. And it's it's not exactly the, the, the plan that we drew up when we came into September having to play Richmond, who everyone thought was one of the biggest threats outside the top four. We thought we were gone. We thought we were cooked, and then we had to take on Melbourne, who we just haven't even fired a shot against in the last four or five times we've played them. Haven't won at the G in forever, and all of a sudden in that second half, we looked like a team that could be a genuine, genuine premiership threat. So it, it, it's amazing how at the end of a home and away season, you can lose all hope. I'm sure Bulldog supporters at the end of the 2016 home and away season thought their season was cooked as well. But if you start showing form in the finals... There's no reason you can't uh, build your way to a flag, and that's what we look like we could potentially do. Can I ask a genuine question? Mm. Did Paddy Cripps put a wig on and go and play the second half of the Lions, or was that actually Jared <laughs> Berry? <laughs> I, as I've said to people in, um, in the wash-up of the game, I didn't actually believe Jared Berry could play that well. I didn't know he had that in him. And I've always thought he was a good player. I always just thought he was one of those, you know, 200 and... 30-game midfielder, very solid contributor, but not elite finals performer. I didn't think that was on his resume, and now I'm here reading my words because that was as good a midfield finals performance as you can expect from anyone. You wouldn't, would be lauding the work of Lockie Neal if he did that to Clayton Oliver, but it was Bez. And I said last week as well that for us to win this game, we need our best mids to play to their potential. And Neil and McCluggage were excellent, but Barry completely shattered his ceiling. And now that's his benchmark. If he can play like that regularly, my God, what a star he was. We'd identified him as a tagger earlier in the season. We knew he was possibly capable of that. And that was just simply as a shutdown job. And as the story goes, he spoke to, I, I now refer to him as Chris Flaggen for the week. <laughs> yeah. I think I, hopefully we can start getting that one trending. That'll catch up. Uh, if not, Chris Flag lines all the way. But he, he, he spoke to Flags through the week. And yeah. said, I want Clayton Oliver. And to start with, they didn't quite roll that plan. But as Clary started getting on top of the game, halftime, Fagan made the move, put him on him. 
And for as you said, I, I we know he's fit. We know he can shut down a player, but to have the impact that he did, absolutely game changing for the Lions. And look, we'll get to the matchup against Geelong soon, but we need to celebrate this performance because everywhere we mm. look, all over the ground, and especially on a day, winners everywhere. We yeah. when Joe Danaher pulled out for all the right reasons, oh, that took yeah. the wind out of my sails. I thought, well, that's it. We're done. I'm not going to blame Joe. I, I love that the club has done this for him, but that's probably it. God, I was flat, but, and I'm glad I, it wasn't recorded in podcast form because I was so angry. But oh, so the Lee Matthews rule: who's having unprotected sex? I remember, yeah. I was, and then I've heard, si- I've heard since then that it was much earlier than they had expected, and I think he'd done all yeah. the right things in terms of planning for a pregnancy in September. I think it was meant to be October. That's what I've. That, that's my understanding. So uh, it's just unlucky is not the right word because obviously what a blessing for them. Uh, but yeah. It's it's worked out beautifully for us in the end because we got away with it. Well, again, just like when Big Oscar went down last week, it just changed the lineup again. We spoke about yeah. it going, is there something that we tweak here? Because it adds that element of chaos. It takes away the predictability yeah. of what to expect from the Lions. And I want to I want to talk about the chaos element here because yeah. we were sorry, so predictable. Be, before, we oh, sorry, in, mate, yeah. before we get into that, Darcy Ford this week is probably going to be the stiffest bloke in finals history. 100%. Because yeah. Okay, he didn't Actually, beat. So, he didn't sorry, beat Max sorry Dorn. Derek Kickett might have something to say about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Brian uh, look, Taylor probably there's, there's a few <laughs> considers himself. <laughs> Alan yeah. Richardson, Darcy Fort though, he didn't beat Max Gorn or Luke Jackson, but he gave every ounce of effort and concentration in that performance and yeah. did a, as good a job as you know a lumbering two hundred centimetre bloke can do. Yeah, and that he's probably going to miss out for Oscar McInerney coming back in this week. It's uh, it's brutal, but. Hey, clubs win premierships, not just teams. Next man up mentality. One, I don't know what I rate higher. He's set shot or he's oh. he's run down tackle. Like, you yeah. couldn't have asked for more from Darcy Fort. And uh, it's that depth that wins your premierships. Now, I, I actually went back a couple of years ago and I listened to the podcast we did the week of the prelim final against Geelong. And we were already picking out who the Lions were going to play in the grand final. So, <laughs> fortunately, we're not that far ahead of ourselves this mm. year. And we will just focus on... What's just gone and the week ahead? But as I said, that that chaos element, that that mania of pressure that the Lions were able to bring, that's what eventually brought the Demons down. We knew that kicking long to May and Lever was never going to work, and Melbourne forced us to do that in that first quarter. Then as they started to soar up a bit, you could see Petrarca was going to go, and we were able to turn the tables in midfield. But when we get the footy over the back, we're unbeatable. That goal that Zach Bailey kicked right in the end, running into an open goal, I don't even know why Mm. he went to the arc in the first place, but... When we kick those style goals, I know this isn't very technical. When we kick those style goals, Brisbane win. That is yeah. the that is the game play that the Lions do so well, rushing back towards goals. Geelong know what they have coming up against them this week, but what we saw from that second half, it, it was truly extraordinary, Jack. Yeah, well, it's the right game plan to um, take on Geelong this week because against Melbourne you keep it away from May and Lever. Against Geelong you keep it away from Tom Stewart because, yep. and Tom Stewart has the. You know, also the ability to kill you on the rebound too. And i got to say, Zach, you mentioned Zach Bailey before. Clutch. Wasn't really cited in the first three quarters and then just bobs up with two incredible goals in the last quarter, two really clutch efforts. And there's winners all over the park, especially yeah. in the second half. But you have to go back to the end of the second quarter, just on the siren. Right. That Calamachi goal yeah. was everything. Melbourne, yeah. if they'd gone in with a 28-point lead at halftime, lines without having scored for a while... I'd say game over in that second half. You'd have I just to think don't so. think the belief was there. 
that goal yeah. on the siren, they went in with a pep in their step. Melbourne dominated the first half of football and all they had to show for it was a 22-point lead. They should have been 10 goals up. Oh, yeah, 28, 28 did feel like a bridge too far, but you could feel early in the second when our tackles started uh, actually hitting and we were uh, laying tackles, we were bumping properly and all of a sudden you could feel just the game was neutral again in that second quarter. Uh, and that Archie goal, we kicked a lot of really late goals that benefit us in every quarter. And I think in terms of what you were saying about the chaos game, I loved that uh, that style of kick inside 50 or just from in the forward half where it was it was particularly notable with like Rich and uh, Robertson where they'd send those tumbling balls that weren't yep. to a particular target whatsoever. It would just sort of bounce and then uh, we'd rely on our crafty small forwards to get it done. Daniel Rich, if... Daniel Rich, it's the golden rule of the Brisbane Lions. If Daniel Rich gets 30 touches, we generally win. I can't remember a game where he's had so much footy and we lose. So I thought he was pivotal. Uh, we could we could literally go through every single name. I've, I've got an lineup. entire A4 document we, of just players' names. So, we yeah. mentioned last week Dane Zorko too, yes. that he had the ability to play a great captain's knock, and he did. He didn't yep. buy into any of the Melbourne bullshit. And, and they went after him. They absolutely did went after him, and... He was incredible, and especially in that last quarter when the game was there to be won, he won a couple of big centre clearances. He surged the ball forward. That's yep. as good a performance as Dane Zorko's produced probably this year, and it came in a crunch spot. So, well, well done to him, and and well done for you know learning the lessons of three four weeks ago and and taking him on board. I'll add to that in the leadership group. Harris Andrews just continues oh, to just grow to. and grow and grow. That 40-metre punch into the back of the members' stand, if the ghost yep. of Danny Frawley has embodied a seagull at the MCG, it was squawking its head off because the Golden Fist was right there, only to be beaten by Cam Rayner a few minutes later. But yeah. that, that's the sort of stuff you want to see because he was beaten in that first term mm. and he just continues to grow. And that's what we want to see because we now know that coming into this week, his other least favourite matchup, we've got Tom Hawkins and let's assume a fully fit Jeremy Cameron. It's going to be a massive week for Harris Andrews. We don't have a Marcus Adams figure to be that big sort of rock of Gibraltar down there. So mm. he's exactly where we would have wanted him to have been a month ago. Yeah, he looked he looked at his old self again. It was really nice that he was moving well and those big spoils where he's just sort of clapped like he just kicked yeah, a goal. Dustin Fletcher and, style. Yeah, and he, he, he took a couple of nice intercept marks. He was hitting his targets. I thought our back line was excellent uh, and our forward line was excellent. We managed to find goals in difficult situations. Charlie Cameron is just a superstar, isn't he? We, I sometimes forget how lucky we are to have him on our list. Only the five touches, but kicked three goals, one, and he was so lively, uh, such a threat because he's usually well beaten by Hibbard, but uh, yes. not on this occasion. Well, we remember that he's also got that finals experience from his time at Adelaide as well, so he can yep. be cool in those high pressure moments and nothing says it more than sprinting 75 metres to take that ball on the line and Mm. not even give any doubt that it had gone over but to use that 30 seconds to completely compose himself because he's he's running 120% to get to that footy, that kick is the easiest and hardest kick in the game at the same time and he just he just nailed it. And that, yeah, that's was, exactly what the Lions needed at that period of time. Where there were 40,000 Lions members watching the TV just going, take your 30. Yep. Take your yeah. 30. Oh, the amount of times I screamed that throughout the evening. I, re- I remember I left the door open in my apartment and 
There was a yeah. there was a voice from you know the bottom level that's gone. Shut up! No, I, I understand. <laughs> okay, yep, I okay. understand. Now before we look at Friday night's clash, uh, you can hear everything right here on Triple M. Um, I'm going to call on the members of the newly formed King's Council uh, to defend Jared Berry tonight at the tribunal. And I, I do love for the week the most sensible voice straight away was Mitch Robinson on a um, seven AFL post saying like I don't know how. With someone's forearm on their throat, anyone can make a rational decision. So, look, this is a very biased podcast, and we'll put that out there now. But we both, we all know that we don't know how the tribunal works. No one knows what's going to work. Will, what are you preparing for here? Uh, I think he has the backing of the AFL world. We had uh, Scott Pendlebury on our our show down here, the Marty Sheargold show, and he effectively said the same thing. He said that uh, I, I... would uh, challenge you to act rationally when you've got someone with their th- their forearm in your throat. And I think uh, we saw Caroline Wilson and Maddie Lloyd, I think, last night on Footy yep. Classified say a similar thing. I-, I don't think there would be much support for a one-week suspension. And I would like to think that it's just a bit of a, hey, this is just a warning. You can't do this mm-hmm. and you're going to get off. But uh, that's just one for, for everyone out there. We can't have any... Contact to the eye. We saw Toby Green with a much worse incident get off only a few years ago. So I like to think that's what's happening here. It's just a bit of a warning. I think that the way that it fits into the match review panel's metric kind of doesn't actually match, you know, it doesn't actually match the severity of the incident. So I think it's it's one week in the metric, but, you know, you put it in front of a tribunal, it gets off. All right. So are we clear on that decision? Yep, he gets off. He gets off. He'll play. Yep. He'll kick five. Quick bit of love because I don't think we've mentioned him uh, with much detail yet. But Eric Hipwood's game, oh not to God. mention just his game, but his final series. Can I talk about his three bounces, please? They were incredible. Oh, the giraffe yeah. galloping down the half forward flank, just burning lever. That was sensational. Well, you forget how quick he is, yeah. Eric Hipwood. He's a genuine athlete, and um, Lever is not. I love the one where um, I think it might have been Bailey's last goal where he ran past him and Lever looked stuck in mud. So it actually made, it, it made Eric look quicker. But just since round nine, his return from an ACL, his first six games, he kicked four goals. That's returning from that knee injury. We he were, was getting we were a quite a bit of criticism, us included. And yep. I, he, he wasn't playing well. But we, we, we did clarify by saying it's an ACL. He's a tall four. That's as tough as it gets. And he, lacked his, for, he just looked lack for confidence. Yep. So four goals in six games. Now his last six games, he has kicked over two goals a game. He's kicked two bags of four. In the finals alone, he's kicked three and four. He's probably been in our top five players of the final so far. And in the absence of Joe Danaher, he was just about the difference in this game. I thought he was exceptional, not just in kicking his own goals, set shots included, but setting up so many others. Two of Brisbane's best performances have come in the last two weeks, against the Tigers, against the Dees. Yeah. Both times, you've only had the two key forwards. With Against Richmond, you had Dan McStay having to spend the majority of the game in the ruck. Against Melbourne, you had Danaher pulling out late, and it was McStay and Hipwood that were the two big forwards. They've persisted for the last 18 months with this the three tall timbers down there. And I know it's a small sample size, but arguably say that it works a lot better with, with only two of them down there. It's a lot more open, a forward line. And I know because you're going to have Joe Danaher come back into a, a football side who's, you know, he, he's probably one of the, the better forwards of the last five years. How do you fit it? Do you stand, send Dan McStay to be the backup ruckman again? What does match selection look like this week, Will? 
Well, I don't know. We, we say it hasn't worked, but we're the highest scoring team in the comp. I mm. feel like it hasn't worked against Melbourne and Richmond, and we've been forced to play against them with only two of them. So it might have just worked out beautifully for us. We uh, went down very narrowly to Geelong earlier this year. Eric didn't play that game. Uh, so it's hard to say that it was beneficial there. And then last year we murdered Geelong uh, at the Gabba. And uh, I don't know, we've, we've been one of the highest scoring teams of the last three, four years. I don't, I don't think it's as big a, a stone in our shoe as some people do, but there is no doubt that on the weekend it definitely opened the forward line for Eric and Charlie and they took it to maximum effect. Uh, but I don't know. You, you can't leave Joe Danaher out of the side. You no. just simply can't do it. I, I see it as a very nice problem to have because regardless, you bring Joe Danaher back in and he is going to take Geelong's best defender. Now, you've got Eric Hipwood who is playing himself into form and Dan McStay who's had a great final series so far. Should the three forwards, three tools not work out to start with, you swing McStay back. Geelong yeah. forwards start to get out of control. There's no cleaner pair of hands if you roll McStay back. So nice problem to have, I'd say. And you're right, Jack, your man Darcy Fortin will probably be the most unfortunate bloke to miss out. But yeah. And there's been so much tension between these two teams. We can go back to the Zach Bailey tackle, Will. I know you're not over it yet. Yep. You've got mm. the blow-up between Chris Scott and Chris Flagan. The big ride game. Yeah. The big ride. There big is ride so game. much recent history between these two sides. We can't wait. It's been two years since that prelim final blowout, and I, I like and that the Lions come in as underdogs, you know Jack. I like are, it. The tables are turned this time because yes, last time you had the Lions that won their qualifying final. Expectation. They'd spent you know, a week off. They'd played one game in 30-odd days, and they came out and they were flat, and they didn't actually get their game going until halfway through the third quarter, and it was gone by then. There's belief in this year now, now. Now you have Geelong in that same position where you have – the lines that have surged through, they're on an absolute roll. They want to keep the momentum going. Yep. Geelong have had have played one game in, you know. Might be one, one in 21, yeah. Yeah, one game in 21 days. And they've got to try and get themselves up again. And they've got to try and get themselves up for the fight. Brisbane, they're up for the fight today. Um, yeah. And they're, they're on an absolute roll. So that is the other thing, though. If it gets into sort of crunch territory, you know, Geelong are going to have the fresher legs. Correct. With the extra time off. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I think the lines are nicely placed. Will, I like how you're feeling about this. Well, since this pre-finals buy, since 2016, it's the winner of the qualifying final runs at 40%. You're actually in a worse position because of this 27, one game in 27 days. Uh, Is that what it is? I think that's the the number. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And, oh God, all of a sudden... Because as you just said, we've been in these final series with just the luxury of being at home the whole time, and it hasn't worked for us. Now with a bit of vulnerability, a bit of pressure, a bit of uh, having to travel and having our backs against the wall, we look like a better team because of it. And the Victorian crowd, I'm sure you guys would have heard it through the Strong. speakers. But oh, God. when the Lions chant went up, oh, if, chills if ran the, down the spine. Yeah, if it was 70-30, that would be my guess, Demons to Lions supporters. But, God, we outvoiced them down at the at the G on Friday night. And I, I think we can do it again because there is such a strong Fitzroy connection down here. It's so exciting. I can't believe we're in this position. It's our third preliminary final in a row, and they're all against Geelong. And this would oh see if God, we can it make is. it. Oh, my God, Sorry, that just dawned yeah. on me. Yes, you're right, 2004. Two, 2020, 2004, and now 2022, and it's... Uh, we'll see who can go two and one. Oh, but uh, obviously the bookies and um, the footy gods 
aren't in our favour, but God, I've, I've just got a good feeling, a really good feeling oh, about there's, it. There's an excitement coming from Northern Exposure, and hopefully this time next week we could have the Lions in a grand final. We could have Lockie Neal, a two-time Brownlow medalist. We could or Took Miller. Or Took no. Miller. Or Took Miller. <laughs> and, hey, and it's get, a Queensland pod. Where we could have Josh Dunkley nearly <laughs> uh, ready to join the Lions, and we could have Southport, yeah. the VFL champions. It's a very wow. exciting time for Queensland at the Absolutely. moment. Absolutely, and congratulations to Southport, because they blew Gold Coast off the park in the VFL prelim. Yep, the margin was only 28 points. I couldn't, but it was... With all the money they have, they couldn't buy a goal. It was about 40 (laughs) scoring shots to... uh, 40 scoring shots to 16. It was off the chain, but congratulations to Southport into a a VFL final against Casey on Saturday. That's going to be a beauty. That's in Melbourne, yeah? Yeah, I'll be at at, at, uh, Michael Park. Yep, Optus Oval. Hopefully, hopefully they'll leave the gates open behind the goals. for Maxi Park. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's been for a bit, hasn't it? Hopefully they'll leave the gates open behind the goals for Maxi Pascoud to uh, run straight in and celebrate the crowd. If you haven't seen that footage, check it out. It's sensational. Jack, Will, it's the biggest week in the Lions history in the last 20 years. God, we're excited. Triple M rocks footy. God, we've said that a few times. Northern exposure rocks Queensland. Get on board. Go Lions.